0: All right, returning to the program, as we promised that he would, is uh, noted blogger, Brad Friedman. Welcome back, Brad. Hey, thanks, Doug. Great to be here. Now, you're, you're following very closely what's going on in San Diego with regards to these voting machines, a special election that took place once they sent uh, Randy Duke Cunningham off to the slammer. They had to replace his seat in Congress, and they had an election. And tell us where that stands.
1: Uh, well, i tell you, we got a real mess out here right now on our hands, because as it turns out... Uh every voting machine they used in San Diego County where this election was held uh they use all Diebold machines out there both optical scan and touch screen and as it turns out uh apparently every voting machine that was used was actually illegal and or uh uncertified effectively when these machines were incredibly enough sent home with poll workers for days and weeks prior to the election. Now, what we've learned in just the past couple of months here is that uh, D-Bold machines in particular are incredibly vulnerable to uh, to hackers. And that uh, two minutes' time, literally, uh, less than two minutes' time, no password necessary, you can infect one machine, which can then infect every other machine in the race. Now, um, both uh, the uh, california secretary of state and the uh, national body uh... who oversees uh... federal certification for these machines when these vulnerabilities were discovered they issued some special requirements uh... including keeping the uh... the machines and and their memory cards uh... stored securely once they're programmed and put into the machine so uh... and, and if those requirements weren't met the machines become e- immediately decertified. So it is absolutely extraordinary that the uh, San Diego County Registrar of Voters would uh, completely ignore those um, very specific requirements by sending these uh, machines home with poll workers. And I've heard from many of them who said they've stored them. you know, They stored the machines in their garage, in their cars. <laughs> And uh, even the uh, San Diego County Registrar has told me when I asked, I said, well, would it be considered secure if you stored these machines in your car? He said, no, we would not consider that secure.
0: And yet it was done.
1: And yet it was done. And uh, they've gone ahead and, you know, reported the numbers as uh, they've they've come off of these optical scan systems, despite the fact that you can have, uh, you know, they must be presumed, contaminated because of these extraordinary measures just the way you know if you had a, a blood sample taken at a uh, a crime scene and the blood sample went home for a week with uh, you know with with a worker it would be presumed contaminated when it showed up at, at the crime lab they would never use it uh... it'd be thrown out of court and yet They are using machines after they were, uh, you know, left after this massive security breach. They're using these machines and presuming the reported numbers coming back are accurate, despite the fact that it has been uh, recently proved that uh, hacking uh, onto the memory cards of one of these optical scan machines can completely, frankly, flip an election without leaving a trace behind save for those paper ballots that you then go back and and count. We found up in uh, Iowa on that same uh, day that they had the election out here in California, up in a count in Iowa, there was two elections where the popular incumbent had had lost in both cases after the ballots were optically scanned. And uh, the uh, smart election director up there said, wait, something is not right here. And they went back and did a manual hand count of those ballots, and guess what they found? (laughs) It turns out that the uh, incumbent who had lost the race after the op scan count had actually won the race when they counted them by hand. And one of those races, by the way, was a a Republican primary with ten candidates, and the incumbent came in tenth. Only to find out that he actually won the race when they bothered to count the ballots
0: unbelievable now that person is now going to go on in November,
1: yeah, that person uh, would would go on in November in, in both of those cases. another one was uh, uh, also a Republican race, I believe, and the, you know the guy was a twenty year elected official who was very popular and he ran against this, uh, uh, this this kid, this college student that nobody had ever heard of and you know after the op scan, it, it showed that the student had won. <laughs> then they say, well, wait a minute, something's not right. So we've got that same situation out here in this race in San Diego where we are just being asked to presume that the reported numbers are correct despite the massive security breaches. And yet, you know, if you go to the uh, registrar of voters whose responsibility it is to be able to prove the accuracy of his election, he can't do it.
0: It cannot be done. So, where does, it, where does it stand in San Diego right now? You, you sent out in your email a mock swearing in of the Republican candidate, uh, which is apparently sent out with the implication that it was the real swearing in.
1: Well, actually, and it, as it turns out, it was. They did stage a mock swearing in for the cameras, but as we looked in it in, uh, with more detail, what they did was they actually swore in Brian Bilbray, uh, this was a week or so ago. Before all the votes had even been counted, even by the OPSCAN uh, uh, ballots, they hadn't yet even been uh, counted. There were thousands of votes still left to count, and uh, the race to this day has not even been certified by the state of California. But the Republicans rushed this guy out to D.C., swore him in, got him on the floor of uh, Congress to give a speech as quickly as possible, all of which is reminiscent of. You may remember back in two thousand the Bush Gore election mess when you know the Bush team went to the Supreme Court and said, well you you can't make them recount the ballots because you know it may change the results and that <laughs> would uh, harm our uh, harm our candidate if, if right. people found out he didn't win right. it would it would harm, what they doing here
0: harm the Bush presidency if it turned out that he didn't actually carry the, the state of Florida
1: yeah, and they've done the same thing you know by putting this guy in there and saying, "See, he's already won." Now, if anybody challenges it, they'll say, well, you Uh, know. Does
0: that have legal precedence? I mean, if you actually swear someone in, I guess, does that have some legal grounds to say that he is really the congressman?
1: It gets into a murky area, I mean, because he was sworn in legally. But, you know, if the state of California and the electors of California haven't actually certified the race, and therefore we don't actually know if he won the race, uh, it's some pretty remarkable territory to be in, if you ask me.
0: What I find most remarkable about this, Brad, is that, that, uh, that you and I are talking about this, and, and, and not a lot of people are. Lou, Lou Dobbs has been on CNN. You've, no, you've noted on your, on your uh, blog questioning this. A few people have, Keith Olbermann. But, um, you know, mostly it's been silence from the mainstream media.
1: Yeah, it has been, and it's been that way for quite some time. And, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy, uh, Jr. came out with a pretty landmark article just a week or two ago in Rolling Stone. Charging that and giving evidence that the uh, 2004 election was stolen and that uh, some 350,000 votes had actually been uh, shifted in some way from John Kerry to George Bush. In the last month or so, there's been quite a bit of momentum gained. We've seen stories in New York Times, Newsweek, NPR, uh, notably because of these Diebold vulnerabilities that have been recently revealed. So we're seeing more about that, but in general, overall, uh, you know, we're still not seeing the type of coverage we need to see. We're seeing local coverage uh, each week now when we've had uh, uh uh primary elections and we which the primary season began in Texas on March 7th. Every single one of those primary races has had one unmitigated meltdown after another right. It's picked up in the local papers but very few of the national media are sort of tying together connecting all the dots so to speak and saying hello we have got a an electoral meltdown on our hands this year the first year that these uh voting machines are really going everywhere uh according to the uh, because of the help america vote act which kicks in this year for the first time
0: here in California, Bruce McPherson became Secretary of State when Kevin Shelley was shown the door. He has uh, then allowed some of these machines in. Where, where does this stand with McPherson and 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 the allowing of D bolt and and he recertified these machines on a Friday afternoon one day yeah. a couple months ago, and uh, you know which is which when you want to slip something past the public, that's the time to do it
1: yeah it's friday afternoon of a holiday weekend if i'm not mistaken right. and it was extraordinary that he did it because you know as some of the early reports uh... showing that these machines were hackable without a tracing left behind had come out just before that certification and what he did was he commissioned his own uh, group of computer scientists at uc berkeley to take a look at this this hack that occurred in uh... uh leon county florida actually in december of o five they looked at it. They said, "Oh yeah, that hack is very real, is very dangerous." And in fact, while uh, looking at that, we also found another family of uh, potentially more dangerous vulnerabilities—16 bugs in all—that uh, could be even more dangerous. And uh, McPherson said, "Well, given that, uh, by all means, let's uh, let's certify them," <laughs> which is what he did. It's remarkable. Now, they put in, as I said, those special provisions to deal with the dangers that were reported, but then you come down to uh, Election Day on June 6th, and those uh, provisions were then completely ignored.
0: Well, I know on your website you've got uh, a reference here referring to that, uh, that article on, on, on RFK Jr. Rolling Stone. Why don't, you, why don't you direct our listeners to your website for that and other stuff?
1: Yes, uh, and there's plenty of stuff there. Go to bradblog.com. We've got a bunch of the, uh, the stories, the hot stories that I'm uh, covering currently with this Busby-Bill thing, which is uh, actually really growing quite a bit, and I'm now hearing from a lot of uh, media folks and some folks in the DNC and elsewhere. Uh, those links are right at the top, the hot stories box. Uh, but uh, other than that, look around. Boy, we, we've got plenty of information, uh, plenty for the mainstream media to ignore day in and day out.
0: And last question: where, where is Francine Busby standing on all this?
1: I think she's uh, standing with John Kerry. Actually,
0: <laughs> that's sad.
1: I, I I think she was uh, trying to beat his uh, his his, re- his record for speed concession uh-huh. after this race. Um, she's been uh, very quiet. I've had uh, reports now confirmed that the uh, the uh, D C the D Triple C the Democratic uh, Campaign Committee. In D.C., had recommended prior to the race that she don't talk about election fraud at all. And now it sounds like she's uh, taking their instructions, and, you know, she's got another election because there was also a primary on that night. They're going to be rerunning this race essentially in November. You know, that race was a special election, and now they're going to do it all over again this November to fill the seat permanently they're thinking, well, if we talk about it, that may hurt our chances in November. I got news for Francine Busby. <laughs> She's uh, not going to do any better in November after this guy's had three or four months of uh, incumbency. And right now, electoral integrity is what, frankly, all Americans of any party ought to be standing up and demanding uh, loud and clearly across the
0: nation. Well, one guy that's been standing up for it and demanding it is you, Brad Friedman, and we're glad that you came back to talk about it. We hope that we will continue uh, to dialogue on this topic, because sadly, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon.
1: Unfortunately, it won't. Thanks for having me, Doug. Uh, Happy to come back anytime.
0: All right, Brad. Anyway, for more information, we would refer you to Brad's blog, which is found at www.bradblog.com. We would like to suggest, uh, in no uncertain terms, that you go on the web and pull up RFK Jr.'s uh, Rolling Stone article, Was the 2004 Election Stolen?, Listening a couple days back to KVMR, I I, list, I noticed that they were excerpting um, uh, uh, parts of it and, and doing it rather well. So inspired by our friends up in Grass Valley, I thought it might be good to quote a few paragraphs from the Robert Kennedy article. I know that Mr. McMillan had not heard of this uh, this particular item, so and he's pretty well informed, so I thought uh, I thought we would take a moment. And read here from uh, what looks like page 20 of a 24-page printout. In addition to altering individual ballots, evidence suggests that Republicans tampered with the software used to tabulate votes. In Miami County, this is in Ohio, after 100% of precincts had already reported their official results, an additional 18,615 votes were inexplicably added to the final tally. The last-minute alteration awarded 12,000 of the votes to Bush, boosting his margin of victory in the county by nearly 6,000. Keep in mind, he only won the state by 118,000. The most transparently crooked incident took place in Warren County. In the lead-up to the election, Blackwell, that's the Ohio Secretary of State who was responsible for counting the votes, who also, perhaps not coincidentally, was head of the Ohioans for Bush in 2004, had illegally sought to keep reporters and election observers at least 100 feet away from the polls. The Sixth Circuit, ruling that that decree represented an unconstitutional violation of the First Amendment, noted ominously that, quote, "democracies die behind closed doors." Unquote. But the decision didn't stop officials in Warren County from devising a way to count the vote in secret. Immediately after the polls closed on election day, GOP officials, citing the FBI, declared the county was facing a terrorist threat that ranked 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. The county administration building was hastily locked down, allowing election officials to tabulate the results without any reporters present. In fact, writes RFK Jr., there was no terrorist threat. The FBI declared that it issued no such warning, and an investigation by the Cincinnati Inquirer unearthed emails showing that the Republican plan to declare a terrorist alert had been in the works for eight days prior to the election. Officials had even refined the plot down to the language they used on signs notifying the public of a lockdown. When uh, RFK Jr. spoke to Keith Olbermann, the only anchor, news anchor in the U.S. that uh, actually questioned some of this stuff, Olbermann told him that, uh, well, you know, I was a sports reporter and, you know, I knew numbers and these numbers didn't add up. He also expressed some astonishment to Robert Kennedy that um, the news media just didn't seem interested in the fact that here in Warren County, they declared a 10 out of 10 terrorist threat, locked down the uh, county administration building, and no one sent reporters out to look into this. All right, let's uh, let's just quote from the fifth paragraph of this article, which, again, I think you should all read. A review of the available data reveals that in Ohio alone, at least 357,000 voters, the overwhelming majority of them Democratic, were prevented from casting ballots or did not have their votes counted in 2004, more than enough to shift the results of an election decided by 118,601 votes. Actually, I have to read the close of this paragraph. In what may be the single most astounding fact from the election, one in every four Ohio citizens who registered to vote in 2004 showed up at the polls only to discover that they were not listed on the rolls, thanks to GOP efforts to stem the unprecedented flood of Democrats eager to cast ballots. And that doesn't even take into account the troubling evidence of outright fraud, which indicates that upwards of 80,000 votes for Kerry were counted instead for Bush. That alone is a swing of more than 160,000 votes, enough to have put John Kerry in the White House. Of course, what, what is the Democratic response to what appears to have been another stolen presidential election? This article by Kate Zernicki from the New York Times noted that Kerry, accused even by Democrats of failing to respond to these charges during the campaign is now, is now fighting back hard. They lied and lied and lied about everything, Kerry said in an interview in his Senate office. How many lies do you get to tell before someone calls you a liar? <laughs> That's a good question. How many times can you be exposed in America today? Wouldn't you have liked to have seen John Kerry just hold a press conference, walk out, and just say, "This is a pack of lies." Let's bring John O'Neill forward, and let's just let's just let's just expose these lies right now for what they are. But did he do that? No. He did take. million from supporters to make sure that every vote was counted in Ohio, but when he was 118,000 votes behind the day after, he decided, well, close enough. Speaking of Kerry, here's an item we pulled off the cnsnews.com, the Cybercast News Service. U.S. Senator John Kerry of Massachusetts on Tuesday told an audience at the liberal Take Back America conference that he was sorry for voting to authorize the war in Iraq, calling the entire mission, quote, a mistake. Unquote. "We were misled. We were given evidence that was not true," Kerry said. "It was wrong, and I was wrong to vote for it." But uh, as far as we know, uh, the former Yale Skull Bonesman who was just 2 years apart in that uh, Yale fraternity from uh, George W. Bush has just been unable to bring it upon himself to accuse the administration of maybe some skullduggery in Ohio and elsewhere. We'll refer you to our website again for our interview with Ron Byman about the statistical analysis of the two thousand and four election, as well as our recent talk with armed madhouse author Greg Palast on the same subject. And and look at Brad's website. You know, and I I think a lot of a lot of us just can't help but pound away at the Democrats for their, you know, <laughs> Astounding lack of action in some of this. Uh, the Sacramento News and Review weighed in on this in an April 6th editorial that I think we referred to, I want to quote again. Russ Feingold courageously uh, attempted to introduce a resolution in the U.S. Senate to censure President Bush for breaking uh, breaking the law and trying to cover it up. Uh, the News and Review noted the Democratic senators filing in for their weekly caucus looked as if they'd seen a ghost. <laughs> I haven't read it demurred Barack Obama from Illinois. I just don't have enough information, protested Ben Nelson from Nebraska. I really can't right now, said John Kerry of Massachusetts as he hurried past a knot of reporters. This was an excuse that fell apart when Kerry was, (laughs) a moment later, forced into an awkward wait as Capitol Police stopped an aide. In other words, here's John Kerry standing there, able to respond to reporters, but uh, I, I, I really can't right now. You know, we need to dig out KDVS's soundbite from Senator Kerry when uh, our general manager, Stephen Valentino, went down to cover the Democratic, uh, uh, con- uh, the Democratic convention that was held in Sacramento, and he managed to fire off a question to Kerry who just just brushed him off. Uh, Stephen started to ask him a question. And he just says, "You know, you're, you're trying to ask me a question, and I'm and I've got to go over here." It was just like, you know, I, I just I don't have time, son. Like, get it, get away, boy. You you bother me. But maybe my my favorite quote from this News and Review editorial came when it noted that Hillary Rodham Clinton, she's from New York, brushed past the press pack, shaking her head and waving her hand over her shoulder. When an errant food cart <laughs> blocked her entrance to the meeting room, she tried to hide from reporters behind. Four foot eleven, Barbara Mikulski of Maryland. Of course, Senator Clinton, who many people suspect has aspirations to higher office, uh, was was completely on top of it when it came to the flag burning amendment. We wish that uh, somebody currently uh, walking the halls of power uh, in, in office would would you know would speak out like. Bob Kerry, former Democratic Senator from Nebraska, did in an op-ed piece uh, in the Washington Post that was reprinted in the Bee last Sunday. To excerpt from the comments of uh, former Senator Bob Kerry: Enthusiasm for this amendment appears to have grown, even as flag-burning incidents have vanished as a means of political protest. The last time I saw an image of the U.S. flag being desecrated in this way was nearly 20 years ago when the court issued a decision. Thus... This amendment, never appropriate in the oldest democracy on earth, has become even less necessary. But necessity is not always the mother of legislation. He closed by saying, For patriotism to turn aside the understandable impulse to protect our flag by degrading the constitutional freedoms for which it stands, well, real patriotism cannot be coerced. Our freedom to speak was attacked, not our flag. The former not the latter, needs the protection of our Constitution and our laws. Anyway, let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. Yeah, It's sad, believe me, missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the feminine five. But I could show my prowess, be a lion, not a mouse, if I only had the nerve. I'm afraid there's no denying, I'm just a dandelion, a
1: fate I don't deserve. I'd be brave as a blizzard. I'd be gentle as a lizard. I'd be clever as a gizzard.